So I watched a lot of commercials uh, yesterday. And one commercial that stood out to me was a Quicken Home Loans commercial. Have y'all seen this before? And it's pretty awesome. They really want you to borrow some money from them. And so I watched it. It's pretty crazy, too, because I actually got a letter in the mail from them, too. So I don't know if this is the Lord trying to get a hold of me. But, uh, but anyway, on the commercial, what stood out to me is the fact that they actually stated what their mission statement as an organization is. Now, this may not be all that to you, but it's interesting to me. They said, Quicken Home Loans engineered to amaze. Now, when I listen to this, I'm like, okay, engineered to amaze. I know I'm, a, I'm kind of a nerd, all right? I'm just letting you know that up front. I actually jotted that down in my laptop on some notes that I like to keep uh, rolling. So I jotted that down, engineered to amaze. And I, I guess the point is that if you call Quicken Home Loans, that they want to amaze you with what they can do. So then I began to look at this statement and ask, you know, what exactly is the church engineered to do? Like Quicken Home Loans engineered to amaze, but the New Testament church, what are we engineered to produce? And then to kind of localize it, what exactly is Concord Baptist Church engineered to produce? What's the purpose? What is the mission of the church? Now, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us specifically what we should be engineered to accomplish. And we're going to look at that this morning. So look in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28 today. I want to talk to you on the subject, making disciples everywhere. And I'll be up front with you. In order for us to make disciples, we have to be genuinely committed disciples ourselves. So we're going to look in the mirror this morning and try to gauge where we are in our personal journey with the Lord Jesus. But Jesus now is going to tell us what the church is engineered to accomplish. So with that in mind, let's listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 18 is where we'll start. Stand with me and out of God's word. Many of you know this text as the Great Commission, and indeed it is. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Go therefore, here's the mission, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, how grateful we are for your word. Help us as a church never to steer away from the mission. Help us to never get off course. Help us to never throw it to the side and place other things as priority over what you have said the New Testament church is engineered to produce. We need to be about making disciples. Make us that group of people. God will give you glory. Speak to our hearts this morning through your word. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So you can be seated. Now, the mission of the New Testament church answers the question, what are we doing? So if somebody were to run into you this week and say, what are you guys doing down there at Concord? Your answer should be very simply, making disciples everywhere. And we didn't make that up. We got it straight from the mouth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. So that is the mission. It describes what we are doing. But the vision is a little bit different. The vision describes where we are going. Now, it's pretty awesome because in the New Testament, we are given the mission, but the vision can be different for our other churches. So what we're going to do next Sunday is actually talk about the vision of Concord Baptist Church. When you leave this morning, you're going to receive one of these little cards in your hand. 
has a 777 on it. What I want you to do is take this home with you, put it on the refrigerator, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, or put it on your speedometer in your car. And every single time that you see it, I want you to pray for next Sunday's service. Because we're going to talk about where Concord is going. I've been so uh, delighted to be hanging out with a group of men in our church known as the Ministry Expansion Team. And for almost a year now, we've been talking about how we can put into practice this mission of making disciples everywhere as a local church. And so next Sunday, we're going to talk about, Lord willing, how we desire to do that and where we sense God is really taking us. So you'll want to be a part of it. Don't miss church. And please be in prayer for next Sunday. But this morning, I thought it would be wise for us to look specifically at the mission of the church, just so we can, by way of reminder, see what we are supposed to be as disciples. So before I even go further, let me just ask the question, what exactly is a disciple? What is a disciple? Well, as you study the term, you find that a disciple is a willing learner, a willing follower of someone. It's also been used to describe a person who is an apprentice. In fact, that's the whole point of being a disciple of Jesus. We are to follow him. We are to imitate him, carry on his ministry, and become like him in the process. Now, before I came to Pastor Concord, a Baptist church a few years ago, I knew the goal of pastoring was to lead the church to be like Jesus. So I came up with this awesome idea. They didn't even teach me this in seminary. Y'all listening and say, yeah? I, I decided, okay, if I want to lead them to be like Jesus, I probably ought to figure out what Jesus is like. Genius. Don't you agree? And so what I began to do is read the Gospels. I got a ye uh, yellow... Uh, legal pad in my hand, put it down, began to read through the Gospels, and I wrote down every single thing that Jesus said, and I wrote down every single thing that Jesus did. After I was done with that, I took all the legal sheets and put them in front of me, and I began to uh, figure out what some of the common denominators were in the life of Jesus, and began to create more or less four major categories. It's pretty interesting, because here's what Jesus did, and what he also teaches us to do. The Bible teaches us that Jesus worshipped God the Father. It's pretty awesome, right? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. He lifted up the Father in prayer. He taught us how to worship. We also know that Jesus not only worship, teaches us how to worship, but Jesus also teaches us how to reach out. That's what Jesus did. He can't go through the Gospels without seeing Jesus reaching out to those who are far from his Father. He reached out to the adulterer. He reached out to the crippled, the lame, the blind, the tax collector, the fisherman. He reached out to those who were classified as sinners. That's what Jesus did. He came and he reached out and he teaches you and I how to have compassion on those who are outside of the faith, who are far from God, that we would reach out to them. So Jesus teaches us how to worship, teaches us how to reach. He also teaches us how to grow. Now Jesus, although fully God, came as a man. And coming as a man... The Bible says that he grew in wisdom and in stature. Jesus overwhelmed the rabbis even at a young age because of his wisdom. We study the scripture and find that Jesus is hanging out on one occasion in a synagogue. And the rabbis are listening to Jesus as he is asking questions and even teaching. And they are amazed at his wisdom. He was growing in the knowledge of the word. So we find Jesus teaches us how to worship, teaches us how to reach, teaches us how to grow. But then we also know that Jesus teaches us how to serve. 
And this is awesome again, right? You can't go through any gospel without seeing Jesus over and over and often serving other people. He put the principle into practice, which Paul the Apostle wrote in Philippians chapter 2, saying, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and became a servant. So Jesus came to serve. In fact, the gospel says Jesus... Uh, came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, if he is one who teaches us how to worship, how to reach, how to grow, and how to serve, that really is the picture of what a disciple should be. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, should be, listen, increasing in our worship of him. We should be increasing in our spiritual growth, increasing in our reaching out with the gospel, increasing in our service within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Discipleship, if we follow him, discipleship means we become like him. But how many of you know there's a gap between where we are possibly currently and where God really desires for us to be? Matter of fact, I would call that the discipleship gap. The discipleship gap is the distance between where you are and where the Lord wants you to be as a disciple. Now, I remember as a teenager, we used to go to the mall, town center mall, and hang out. So we'd all get together and we'd go walk through the mall. And then I had the opportunity on many occasions to see one of those big, huge maps inside the mall. Y'all know what I'm talking about, yes? And the map is there, and, you know, forgive me if you're of age, but there were always old people around the map. Y'all all right? If you couldn't hear, would somebody whisper that to them? I'm just kidding. That was, I shouldn't have said that. Take it back. Forgive me. Y'all just want to go home? So anyway, here's what happened. They are looking at the map, and they're trying to figure out where they are. Now, apparently, I'm getting old now, too. Because Christian and I go to the mall. Guess what we look for? The map. And now, I love the map because on the map, it's got that little red dot with the arrow that says, you are here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then when you find out where you are, you kind of get your bearings and look at where JCPenney is. And then you begin to look at where you want to go and you design a route to get you there as quick as possible in the store. Get what you need and get out of the store. And all the men said, amen. amen. So you roll out. Now, it would be awesome. It's not possible, but it would be awesome. If somehow or another in the foyer of our church, we could actually have one of those maps that is considered the discipleship journey map. And that you could stand in front of the map and look at it, and I don't know, maybe it took a retina scan. And then it immediately said, here's where you are in your journey. And then you see the four major destinations or department stores in this analogy. It would be worship, reach, grow, and serve. And you have to find out where you are in the gap of where you should be, and discover and plan steps that you need to take to get to your destination. So the discipleship gap. All of us can see that this morning. And what we know about discipleship is awesome. That is that discipleship doesn't just happen. Discipleship is not automatic. We must work in partnership with God's Holy Spirit residing within us to develop us as disciples. So what I want you to do this morning is really look in the mirror. Or better yet, maybe you could go to that map for a moment. And look at that map and let's discover where you are as a disciple. I've done the exact same thing looking through this message and looking into that map, trying to figure out where I am and what steps I need to take so that I develop in the areas of worship, reaching, growing, and serving. And what I want to do this morning is give you four major questions that you've got to ask yourself. Now, here's the key, all right? Y'all ready for the key? 
All right, three of you. Here's, here's the key. If you do not honestly answer these questions, you will have wasted your time this morning. So if you just came and you're like, I just want to hear another little sermon and roll out. No, no, no. Not a little sermon. Not time for you to roll out. I want you to look at these questions intently and genuinely answer them from your heart. Let's discover where we are as disciples so we can decide where we need to be. And that's the key, right? When you discover where you are, then you're able to determine where you need to go. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So here's the four questions. Here's question number one. Are you all ready? Say yes. Am I valuing Jesus more now than ever? Am I valuing Jesus more now in my life than ever before? Listen, what we value in life is actually what we worship. And so this morning, I want you to listen to something that I had the opportunity to listen to a couple of weeks ago. It's actually a Georgia Bulldog fan. And this dude is in love with the Georgia Bulldogs. Are y'all listening? Say yes. Any Bulldog fans in here this morning? Don't get too excited because the message is about to bring the boom down, all right? But listen to this particular track. Y'all play it for us up there, fellas. Welcome to the game. Atlanta's only live and local 24-hour sports station. Tyler in Atlanta, welcome. You're on uh, the nightcap with uh, the coach and me, Rob Tribble. What's going on? Hello, Tyler. Yeah, man, I just... I got to tell you right now, man, I love these dogs, man. I just, I love them. I love them. My daddy loved them. His daddy loved them. And it's not just tore my heart out. You sound like it, man. How, you got a quiver in your you voice. Look, you, I don't know how you can take those men in the locker room, these men who have bled on that field, and look in their eyes and their hearts. And, and you know, Rick just ain't good enough for them, man. Rick, we are never going to take the next step with Rick. We got to get rid of Rick. We got to get rid of him, and we got to get rid of him now. Let me ask you a question. They replace him with who? With who? Who are you going to replace him with? I just, we got to get rid of him, man. But who are you going to replace him with? Give us a I name. I don't know who we can replace him with. Our whole season's gone, man. How are we going to go face South Carolina now? <laughs> he broke down crying. Oh, my goodness. Somebody need to dial 911. This man has had a breakdown. Put a lock on the medicine cabinet. Wow, he was crying. Holy smokes. Man, it ain't, hold up. You take this stuff seriously. But, but think about what you're taking seriously. You're putting your emotional well-being in the hands of 17 to 21 year olds. I know. I'm not. I'm Come not, on, I'm man. I'm not advocating it, but it happens. You're, you're putting your emotional stability in the hands of a 17 and 18 year old. <laughs> well, where are we gonna be, South Carolina? Sports Radio 92.9. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Uh, that individual worships the Bulldogs. And here's what's amazing. Here's how we can know that he worships the Bulldogs. Because he talks about them, he thinks about them, and he even cries about them. Right? And you heard that, didn't you? It's amazing. But as I listen to that, I begin to think, you know what? That really is a good picture of what worship looks like. What you value is what you think about. What you talk about is what you value. So this morning, I need to ask you the question, how much space in your mind is dedicated to lofty thoughts about the person of Jesus Christ? How much uh, of your mind and your heart is dedicated to talking to the Lord Jesus Christ? And not only this, but how much of your conversation in everyday life is centered around the person of Jesus Christ? 
See, it is amazing how many people are so in love, even with a football team, that that's all they talk about. Now, some of you came to church this morning, and you've talked more about football than you have about your heavenly Father. You've thought more about the game than you have about Jesus. What you talk about, what you think about, is what you value. I was in a store this past week and actually overheard the conversation of a young man talking to another guy. And he was at work. I think it was a Friday. He was going to be off on Saturday. So he began to share with his friend, listen to what I'm doing, man. I'm off tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up as early as I can. I'm going to jump in my truck and I'm going to drive down to Athens, Georgia. And whenever I get there, I'm going to get out, man, I'm going to be tailgating, and we're going to be getting ready for that LSU game. So fired up, so excited. So, and he's, I mean, he's just, the more, they were short of just chest bumping, they were so fired up. Y'all know what I'm saying? This guy's sharing the whole thing. And then I sat there and listened to that and began to think, where's the joy in the house of God like that? Why is it that people aren't, I mean, they're not fired up about coming to worship the Lord Jesus Christ who died for their sins, was buried, got up from the dead. Who is this that we've come to worship and we come into the house of God and some people hadn't thought about him all week? You're not worshiping him. Some people have not uh, had an opportunity where they talked about Jesus to anybody the whole week. You don't value him. You talk about and you think about that which you value. We continue to stack idols up in our life. Some of them are like Georgia Bulldogs. Some of them are our jobs. Some of them are relationships. Things that are overshadowing the heart of a true disciple which should be bent toward worshiping Jesus Christ as master. So uh, am I valuing Jesus more now than I ever have before in my life? That's what a disciple looks like. He is valuing the person of Jesus. Now here's what I know here at Concord. We're engineered to help produce disciples. One of the ways that we're engineered to help produce disciples is by using our worship services and creating an environment whereby you can have an opportunity to hear about Jesus, where you can have an opportunity to speak to Jesus, where you can have an opportunity to talk to other people about what God's doing in your life. This is designed for worship. Now, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, do not neglect our meeting together. As is the habit of some people, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know what the Hebrew author is saying? In short, he's saying, don't skip church. And that's amazing. People will move heaven and earth to get to Athens. They'll move heaven and earth to get to downtown Atlanta to see Tech play. But it's amazing what little excuse it will take to get people to skip out on worshiping God. Well, I stayed up late Saturday night. I couldn't get up, preacher. Well, preacher, I just had such a long week. I'm so tired, preacher. Uh, preacher, I woke up this morning. I had, I had a little sniffle. And then some people try to spiritualize their Sunday. Well, preacher, we just wanted to have some family time today. Couldn't come to worship. Look at the preacher. Down with these lame excuses of why you're skipping church. The Bible says, do not continue to skip church. 
It's become the habit of some people. Listen, if you have a hard time just getting to worship on Sunday morning, there is, uh, in my mind, no doubt that you're not valuing Jesus above all things in your life. Y'all out there say yes? Aren't y'all glad y'all didn't skip church today? Y'all are thinking of who you can email this sermon to, aren't you? I've already texted my buddy. Where are you? If you're looking at the map, worship. What you think about is what you value. What you talk about is what you value. Where does Jesus rank in your life? Question number two, am I living more intentionally as a missionary of Jesus? Remember, Jesus teaches us how to reach, so we should be, like Jesus, reaching out to those who are far from God. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 that we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are, listen to this, speaking on behalf of heaven while we live here on the earth. This is a phenomenal call where every single born-again believer is now a part of a great missions organization whereby we are reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others might come to know Him. This is our call. All of us are missionaries. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a missionary. And I love the fact that there are people in our church who are absolutely getting it. Matter of fact, one guy by the name of Chris Pittman, one of our Sunday school leaders, he was on a business trip, and he emailed me what had happened to him on that particular day coming home. He says in his email that he was headed home, and he knew that he did not have any more business to conduct on that particular day. So he just threw a pair of shorts in his uh, bag as well as a T-shirt, and he was getting as comfortable as he could for the flight back home. So, so he got up and he got dressed that morning and put on his shorts, put on his T-shirt. Well, he was wearing a T-shirt that he got from Concord Baptist. And on the T-shirt it says, Ask me why I am a Timothy. We were giving out these t-shirts to those who were going through their grow group training. So he had one of these t-shirts and he's wearing it. He says he gets to the airport and he's sitting there waiting on the plane. And somebody comes up and says, tell me why you're a Timothy. He says, well, sit down. And right then and there, he had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. He says he got on the plane and was so excited about what was going on, thanking the Lord for the opportunity to share Jesus. And then on the way home, he got on the bus, the parking ride, to go back to his car. And the parking ride guy looks in the rearview mirror and says, tell me why you're a Timothy. So right then and there, he shares the gospel with him. And not only this, we find that uh, as I read through that email, he actually is taking his car to Pet Boys on the same exact day. And he's sitting in the waiting room as they're working on his car, and some guy comes up and says, tell me why you're a Timothy. And he sits down and begins to share with him the gospel. It's amazing how he is living as a missionary looking for opportunities to actually share the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not the only one. I remember I got that email. I shared it with our staff. We were all fired up, praising the Lord for what God was doing in his life. Then I got another email, same day. Julie Wilkinson, she's actually uh, our insurance agent. She was shooting a little message to me and uh, let me know something about our insurance. And then at the bottom, she throws in there this statement. I've been praying that God would use me today. And God has opened up a door for me to actually share Jesus with a guy right here in the office. It's amazing what happens when we think like missionaries and pray like missionaries. God begins to open our eyes to so many opportunities to share the gospel. We've got another guy who's actually uh, hanging out with us on Sunday nights in our grow group. His name is Dale Meyer, and Dale Meyer is on fire about the gospel. He's sharing the gospel with people on his street. He was at the Chattahoochee Baptist Association two weeks ago sharing the gospel with somebody. And as he presented the gospel with them, that person broke and gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. So just living as a missionary. On the flight back home from Brazil, I was sitting in one place. A lady was sitting next to me. Darren Bryson was on the other side. Darren is also a member of our church. 
So we're sitting there, and this lady begins to talk to Darren and ask Darren what we've been up to. And Darren begins to share how we've been training pastors, how we've been preaching and sharing the gospel, etc., etc. And so she's listening, and then she kind of tunes him out, closes her eyes, and then goes into like this deep sleep. Darren tells me that whenever she went to sleep, he began to pray that if God would open her eyes and give him opportunity, he would share Jesus with her. I'm on the other side, and apparently Darren's much more spiritual than me. I'm like, Lord, please don't let this lady fall over on me. Y'all all right? Because she was sleeping hard. But it's amazing. We were almost toward the end of our flight when all of a sudden this particular individual opened their eyes, looked at Darren, and started asking questions about how to be saved. Darren was just praying. I began to listen to him share the gospel with her, and now I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, just give him words, give him wisdom, give him strength, give him power, and open this lady's eyes to the truth of the gospel. See, it is amazing what happens when we live as missionaries. God opens doors. God gives opportunity. And look at the preacher, all right? I'm pointing at you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. So what are you doing? If you're looking at the map, where are you located? How are you seeking to be a missionary? Some, some of you may be like, I don't even think about lost people. Look, you, your dot is so far away from the map, it's ridiculous. So you just need to get a dot on the map and actually start thinking about those who are outside of the faith. So you say, well, I'm praying for them, but I, I'm not really sharing with them. Well, well, take some steps and share. Or I'm sharing with them. We'll continue to be faithful and share the gospel with people. How intentional are you sharing the gospel? Now, Concord is engineered to produce disciples. We talked about how we seek to create an environment where you can worship. We also have sought to create an environment where you can reach out with other people. We do that through our Sunday school small groups on Sunday morning. So you as an adult have a place where you can get involved with other missionaries and you guys together as a team can start focusing outside the four walls of your classroom and actually reach out to those who are outside of the faith. It's exciting to see what the Lord's doing in these classes. I will tell you this morning, which is very exciting. We're excited as a staff about how many people are coming to church. So I think last Sunday we were around 1,200 people. But what's amazing is that in our Sunday school class, we're just below 800. So I began to think to myself, 800, 1,200. Let me subtract that. What, what is that? Does anybody know? I can't do that math real quick. I didn't hear you. What would you say? 400. I could really do the math. Are you all all right? <laughs> that, that shows me that there are, listen, 400 people who already fall in an area and life of this body that will help you be ministered to and also give you a platform whereby you can reach out with the gospel. So, man, if you're not involved in one, I want to beg you and encourage you to get plugged in to a small... That could be your next step. Where are you at on the map? If you say, well, I'm right here, and then there's the destination, reaching out, but I don't really know how to do it. Let me get around some people who are seeking to do that. Go to a class. Say, well, if I do that on Sunday morning, I'll be, like, I'll be up here for two hours. You were at the ball game for how many hours yesterday? Let's not start comparing hours. Reach out with the gospel. Join other people. So where are you in that? Are you intentionally living as a missionary for Jesus? Question number three, here we go. Am I planning more intentionally to grow in my relationship with Jesus? Am I planning more intentionally to grow in my relationship with Jesus? Paul the Apostle writes in Ephesians 4 and 24, Put on the new self, 
which is in the likeness of God. It's been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. So as soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you and I were called to grow. Spiritual maturity is a daily developed habit. Look, if you want to lose weight, you've got to learn how to eat right. If you want to gain muscle, you've got to learn how to exercise right. If you want to learn a new language, you have to learn how to study for that particular language. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to discipline yourself to do it. So the Bible says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Godliness is devotion to God. Discipline yourself for that. Now, intentional planning for my spiritual growth has been one of the major ways that I've developed as a disciple. Uh, right now, and I'm just sharing this with you so you can kind of get an idea of what I'm getting at here. Right now, I'm personally involved in a 365-day spiritual leadership track of my life. So I've looked out over the year and said, Lord, where do I need to grow? The Lord pointed very clearly to spiritual leadership. So now I have a plan for the remainder of the next 365 days, literally, to grow as a spiritual leader. So I'm seeking that. I'm seeking to do devotions, reading in the scripture about great leaders of God, what characteristics they had, where they did well, where they didn't do well. Also, I can learn. It's got me reading, got me journaling, got me praying. This is, some people are like, well, you're a pastor. You get to go to church to do that. I'm not doing that at church. Are, y- are y'all all right? This is just like, okay, I want to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Have you asked those kind of questions before? God, what area do I need to grow in? Maybe you look at the roles in your life. You're a father, you're a husband, you're a worker, uh, you're a mother. Maybe you could say, Lord, how do I need to grow as a husband? And maybe for the next couple of months, you can start studying that. Putting some principles into play. A plan to help you grow spiritually. We all need these plans. I've discovered, looking out over my life, that the times where I had a plan were the times where I grew the most. The times where I did not have a plan are the times where I did not grow the most. So I'm going to encourage you this morning. Think through that. Where are you on the map? Where's the gap? What steps do you need to take? Now, our Sunday evenings here at Concord, again, I told you we're engineered to make disciples. So our Sunday evenings are uh, grow groups is what we call them, specifically designed to help you grow in the faith. We've got, and I'm excited about this, and all the staff is, we've got more people involved in grow groups on Sunday nights now than ever before. Very excited about that. Here's what I'm bummed about, though. There's 145 people who were previously involved who fell out. Are y'all listening yet? So it's like now we've got more people involved than ever, and man, I'm excited. But I'm like, Lord, where are these 145? And we have your names. (laughs) Now I was going to list a few of them this morning. I'm just kidding, but anyway... Y'all got nervous, especially guests. They're like, what kind of place is this? We don't play. All right? But it's amazing. You know, I have found that people are so motivated to get involved in growing. Here's what I've learned. Are y'all listening? Say yes. Motivation gets you going. Discipline keeps you going. Motivation gets you going. Discipline keeps you going. So if you're not growing in your faith, then please hear me. I don't think you have to come on Sunday night in order to grow in your faith. But I am encouraging you to know that there is a place in our fellowship designed to help you grow. And man, we would love for you to be a part of that. You can grow in your faith. So how are you doing in that, the area of growth? There's the map again. Where are you? Where's the gap? What steps do you need to take? Fourth question. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Am I serving more faithfully to help others mature in their walk with Jesus? 
Am I serving more faithfully to help others mature in their walk with Jesus? 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12 says, So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So everybody look at it for your eyeball to eyeball. God has given every follower of Jesus a spiritual gift. Every single one of us have one. And we are to use those, not for our own personal edification, but for the building up of the body so that it can mature. So listen, when you employ your spiritual gift in the body of Christ, you help us mature in our relationship with Jesus and you bring about greater unity in the body. Everybody listening? Look at me. When you choose not to employ your spiritual gift, you're like, I'm just going to go, but I'm not going to serve you're actually hindering us from being as mature as we can be. And you know, only hinder us from being as mature as we can be. You're actually hindering us from being as unified as we can be. And listen, because I'm just going to shoot you straight. Most of our college students come to 11 o'clock. Some college students, I'm talking to you. Some of you guys have traveled in. You go to Truett, you go to North Georgia or Piedmont, and you've traveled in. You live somewhere else, and maybe you were involved in your church back there, and now you're in school, and you're like, you know, I'm just going to go into worship on Sunday. Just Listen. God's gifted you to serve. If you're here, serve. This is one thing, man, I, I, and I'm you know, just giving you my history. When I was in college, one thing I loved to do was get plugged into serving in the body I was going to. It's like, I don't want to just come and sit and listen. I'm going to serve. Could you imagine something for this morning? Could you imagine if I came to your house every weekend and ate? Are you all with me? So let's just say, you, you cook up a great spread every weekend, so I show up to your house, I eat, I don't even say anything to you. Just come in there and I tear it up, man. As soon as I'm done, I roll out. I come back the next week, roll out. Come back the next week, roll out. Eventually, you'd be like, what is this guy's problem? What is it? Levi, you, you'd get me like in a corner, wouldn't you? What are you doing? I'm just coming to eat. Listen, if you want to be a part of this family, you need to join and start helping with the dishes. Y'all hear? That's, that's what you tell me, right? We got dishes, we got chores to do. Here's the deal. If God's called you to this church and you believe this is where God wants you to be planted, join the church and start doing some dishes. Now listen, listen, because I, I, I want to be as compassionate as I possibly can. God may not have you join this church. That's fine. He may have another place for you. That's great. So, but... He does have a place for you if you are saved. So you ought to be plugged in. Serving in the body. When you choose not to serve, when you choose not to employ the gift which God gave you, choose not to do it, here's what happens. You're displaying a lack of love for Jesus and his church. But whenever you serve and exercise the God-given gift, you're showing a love for Christ and also a love for his church, the body. So where are you on that? Am I serving more faithfully to help others mature in their walk with Jesus? Now you may be here and you're like, well, I don't even know what my spiritual gift is, Levi. I hear you talking about all this stuff and it seems so esoteric to me. I can't pick it out. All right? Great news for you. Guess what? The month of October, we have a class set aside called CSI, Concord Service Initiative. The whole class is designed to help you discover your spiritual gift and get plugged into the body. So if, you say, if, you're, if you're like me and maybe you're saying, man, I just want to know what my gift is, I want to know how to serve, then you've got an opportunity the day before you leave to sign up right out here in the foyer. There's some computers out there. You go type your name in. You can get involved, figure out your spiritual gift, and we'll help locate a place for you to serve. Listen, listen. Don't squander the gift God gave you. 
Paul wrote Timothy, who was discouraged in the ministry, and he says, stir up the gift that God gave you. Literally gives the imagery of, set it back on fire. Wood and fire that is left alone, the embers begin to go down and the flames go down. But when you come and you stir it up and you put wind on it, that makes the fire burn. And some of you this morning, if you really got honest and you described your walk with Christ, you would say, man, I'm just some wood down here, barely even have a spark. What do I need to do, preacher? Stir up the gift God gave you. When you stir that up, you will find that that fire begins to rise and you'll get around others who are serving and that fire will grow hotter and greater. And when people come to visit this fellowship, they'll be overwhelmed by the warmth of service here at the body of Christ. Sir, am I serving? Listen closely. God's gift to you as a disciple is potential. Are y'all listening? Say yes. I'm about to shut it down. Everybody seems like they're thinking on the last part. That's great. But come back to me here. God's gift to you as a disciple is potential. Your gift back to him is developing it. Talk to you about the discipleship gap, but here's where I want to throw something extra in in this conclusion here. And that is uh, what I would call kind of the law of discomfort. Listen. If we stay confined to environments in life where we are not stretched, not taken out of our comfort zone, we will not reach our spiritual potential. I've looked back, and I've been challenged to do this over the past couple of weeks, at areas in my life where I've grown in my faith, and the areas that I can point to and say, man, I really grew right here, are all areas where I was outside of my comfort zone. I was not comfortable. And listen, here's the key to following Jesus Christ. Look at the preacher. You and I have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Whenever you are outside of your comfort zone, that is the place where you have to lean upon the person of Jesus Christ. And some of you are just comfortable right now. Just kind of hanging out, taking it easy in the lazy boy chair. Get out of the chair. Listen, God has not called any single one of us to mediocre Christianity. God, listen, some of y'all are putting your stuff up. I ain't done preaching yet. Y'all all right? <laughs> I got people encouraging me now. I may go 30 more minutes. Here's the deal. Here, I want you to hear this. God has not called Concord to be some mediocre church. It's not, God's not called us to just be another church on the corner in some town. God wants to move all of us from Good to great. Average to reaching our potential. But it starts with you, it starts with me. Looking at that map saying, where are we? Where do I need to go? D.L. Moody, phenomenal evangelist. Many of you who study church history know the name D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was an uneducated shoe salesman. Somebody came to him and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. He prayed and gave his life to Christ and was radically transformed. He began to hang out with some other guys who were followers of Jesus as well. And they used to get together in the hayfield and just pray. So they would gather together and they began to pray. And one of D.L. Moody's friends who was with him spoke out one day and said this. The world has yet to see a man or a woman who is fully committed to the person of Jesus Christ. 
D.L. Moody heard that statement. It really did ring true in his life. The world has yet to see a man or woman who is fully committed to the person of Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody, not long after that particular occasion, was at Charles Haddon Spurgeon's church listening to him preach. Spurgeon was preaching the word of God, and God was working mightily in the room. But it was amazing what came to D.L. Moody's heart was nothing that Charles Spurgeon said. It was that same statement he had heard back in the hayfield. So sitting there again, that statement reverberated in his own being. The world has yet to see a man who is fully committed to the person of Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody, uh, we read in his autobiography at that moment, said, Lord, I want to be that man. Totally changed the direction of his life. Now he knew Jesus Christ, but he wasn't going to become comfortable. He began to grow, be developed. And this uneducated ex-shoe salesman began the Moody Bible Institute. And all of these other organizations that are developed to put the gospel out all over the world. Isn't that amazing? He would not be satisfied with average. You know what I read this past week? Here's a great statement. Listen. Uh, to be average is the greatest crime against yourself, against humanity, and against God. God's not called any of us to be average. So where are you as a disciple? What steps do you need to take? Hey, listen, 120 people in the book of Acts, they're sitting there, they're praying, and it is amazing. God began to work in their life, and with 120 people, the Bible says that they turned the known world upside down. And in my mind, I'm like, 120? We got 1,200. What would happen if you made a decision, listening to that statement of D.L. Moody, and said, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. No telling what God will do. Amen? Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the time this morning. We've had to look in the mirror to look at the map. God, I pray that everybody's been challenged and encouraged to grow, to be developed. God, that's our heart. Lord, you know that's uh, my heart. Uh, God, I love this church, love these people. just want to see everybody maturing. All of us, including myself, in our walk with you, God, I pray for this fellowship that you would stir in the people's hearts a great desire to fulfill the mission of the New Testament church to make disciples everywhere. And God, we know to be disciple makers, we have to be a disciple. We have to be followers of you. So God, I pray for that in our hearts. That every single person here would leave with some challenge that you've placed upon their life. And they would move on the challenge that they might be developed. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed.